Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. All right, we're going to get into it. And um, starting today, for the next couple of weeks, uh, we're going to be having a conversation around what all of us are feeling and experiencing right now. And that is the obvious increase or uh, resurgence or whatever you want to call it of this pandemic. Um, I think all of us were hopeful for the last nine weeks or so. It looked like numbers were dropping and things were opening and Christmas songs were playing and people were happy and joyful. And then uh, seemingly out of nowhere, everything's kind of spiked back up and caseloads increased and everyone kind of regressed back to more restrictive categories. And it was like, as soon as the election was over, uh, let me say that again, the election is over. Um, Sorry, that's offsides. Uh, But as soon as the election was over, all the news organizations decided that this is gonna be the the thing they're gonna harp on now. So every time you turn on the news, everything you look at, it's COVID, COVID, COVID. And once again, we find ourselves in this like disturbingly familiar space where we're dealing with the realities of businesses closing and potential unemployment and churches closing and uh, isolation kind of entering back into our sphere. And it kind of, it kind of feels haunting a little bit. And I know that we're all feeling that right now, but I think it would behoove us as we enter back into this space uh, to ask ourselves a very important question. And that is, are we prepared for what might become round two of this pandemic? Have we truly prepared ourselves? I don't mean to be a prophet of doom. I'm not saying that the worst is gonna come, but I I hope and I pray Jesus still does a miracle and that all of this passes us by. But if in fact there's still some waves and there's still some wind that we have to deal with, have we truly prepared ourselves as believers? And I don't mean like you got the toilet paper and the paper towels and you've done all the panic shopping. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, in your spirit, come on, in your heart, your faith, your mind, are you ready to go back and fight for your faith in this season? Are we truly ready as the church of Jesus Christ to endure what might come over the next couple of weeks? Um, It has been said that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. I think if many of us could go back to March of this year, we would do a few things differently. We would respond a little bit differently than we did. In fact, of, of all the events we've seen over 2020, I think all of us have a couple of moments where we, could, we wish we could call Mulligan and go back and get a second swing at it. I, I, I think that if it were me, I would go back and operate with a little bit more faith. I would go back and operate with a little more confidence knowing who I am in Christ. I wouldn't operate like the rest of the world and live anxious and fearful and worried, but I would understand that God is still in control and the Bible says that the earth is still his footstool and all of this is well within his capacity and well within his control. I would go back and think and talk and act a little bit differently than I did at the beginning. Yet I see the church in many ways as we face once again the, the reality of COVID. I, f- I see many people signing up for round two of the same way they did round one. Willful uh, insanity as we just begin to practice the same things we did back in March. But listen to me today. If we are going to not just make it and survive, but if we're going to thrive through round two of this, we have got to make some changes. We need to look at things a little bit differently. We need to have the right mindset as we enter back into this. We need to be the people of faith that God has called us to be. So that's what we're going to talk about for the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about a couple of things that we need to do differently as we approach round two of this pandemic. And uh, pardon the title, but we're going to call it Pandemic Planning Part Two. 
Since we didn't get a chance to do planning in part one, we're gonna do pandemic planning part two as we enter into the second phase of this thing, all right? Because none of us have been here before. I, I do not want to repeat the same mistakes. And as we enter into this conversation for the next couple of weeks, uh, next week we're gonna talk about living an open and honest life and kind of going beyond the mask that so many of us put on. And uh, the following week, my wife and I are gonna tag team for the first time here at our church. And we're gonna do uh, a little bit of a conversation about resolving some conflict. How many think we could do that a little bit better than we did this last year? Uh, but today, as we get into this series, I wanna talk to you about fire management. I wanna to talk to you about maintaining the fire of God, the passion of God in your life. And I offer to you a very provocative title as we get into this, as I do so often. I wanna call this chat, Fight Fire With Fire. Oh, come on somebody, it's gonna be good. <laughs> Let's pray and we'll get into it. Uh, Jesus, we love you so much. And I do thank you for these last nine weeks. I thank you that we've had the opportunity to gather once again as a community in your house and lift up your name together as the saints were designed to do. And Lord, I thank you for uh, the passion that we felt, the, the energy, energy we felt, the, the revitalization that we felt as a result of that. But Lord, as we walk back into this territory and we face once again this demonic virus that seems to be taking people out and will not let up, I pray, Holy Spirit, that your church would be equipped to do this round well. God, that you would show us starting today how we can respond, how we can live, how we can think in such a manner so that we are not taken out, but God, that we truly thrive through this next chapter in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you, Joe, for your passion. I love your passion. All right, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Our faith is like a fire. Our faith is like a fire. When you gave your life to Jesus, for those of you who've said yes to him and you invited him into your life, God ignited something in you in that moment. The Holy Spirit lit something up on the inside of you. Some have described it as you know, a burning sensation. Others have described it as like a weight falling off their shoulders. But in that moment, God lit something up on the inside of you. The Bible speaks to it analogously as a fire. Jesus said in Matthew chapter six that we are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And we're like a city that's set on a hill so that all of creation can look at us and they can see the fire of God, the light of God burning on the side of a hill. When Jesus used that phrase, he, he used the Greek word phos, which is where we get the word fire. So you are all like little fires. You, you ignite everything everywhere you go. You set other people ablaze wherever you go. You, your passion turns into their passion. Our city set up on a hill is where people can look to find light in the middle of a dark world. We are like fire. Uh, Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he said, fan into flame the gift of God that is on your life. Again, using fire analogously to describe what God is doing on the inside of us. All throughout scripture, you will see that analogy. In fact, if you've been a part of the body of Christ for any length of time, you have also heard one another refer to your faith as fire. If you're familiar with the language of Christianese, um, so you've probably heard somebody say something to the effect of, oh, you know, so-and-so, they're just, they're just so on fire right now. And, and, and that is describing the passion somebody has for Jesus, which makes sense if you're in church circles, but that's a bit of an awkward phrase if you don't know what someone is talking about, right? Like, oh, they're just so on fire right now. Like, should we do something? Should we put them out? Uh, but we have this whole language that we operate by as Christians, right? Like people use these phrases like, um, oh, we're gonna just take up a love offering today. That is super awkward if you don't know what a love offering is, right? Or like if someone's headed out somewhere like, I'm praying a hedge of protection around you. A hedge, really? That's all you got? Could we find something a little more protective? A castle, a shield, a concrete wall? No, you get a hedge, that's what you get, all right? So, 
But, but we, we use these phrases and we understand if I were to say, hey, you're just so on fire right now, it means that you are passionately in love with Jesus. You're following with every bit of your heart and soul. We know what that means. Well, I think we would all agree that if we have this fire on the inside of us, 2020 has not been kind to that fire. 2020 has served to be like the fire extinguisher or the hydrant that just comes at us blow after blow after blow trying to take out the fire of God in our life. We've all experienced a little bit of that this year. And yet we know that God wants something to remain ignited in us. We know that God wants our passion to sustain. I remember back in um, October before we opened the church back up, uh, I was up late one night and I was feeling kind of anxious and making sure, you know, mentally that the checklist of all the safety protocols was taken care of. And honestly, I was thinking about a couple days later when we were gonna walk back into this building and I was, I was thinking, I don't know what it's gonna feel like. I don't know if people are gonna feel free to worship or if it's gonna be very timid or awkward or what's the culture gonna feel like. I, a lot of unknowns. And as my anxiety got the best of me, um, I decided to, to go on a bit of a prayer walk. I don't like standing still when I pray. I kind of have to move around a little. Anyone else like that? Shout out to my ADD people. Yeah, okay, I, I can't pray standing still. So I, uh, I went on this walk and I threw in my, in my AirPods and I started listening to an album that had recently uh, been released by Carrie Job called The Blessing. Shocker there. Uh, she was releasing the album on the 23rd of October, but uh, she said leading up to the release, they were gonna release a few songs as a pre-release to kind of give the heartbeat, the, the cry of this album, give everybody an idea of what uh, they really felt the, the body of Christ needed to hear in this season. So I throw on my AirPods and I start listening to these, these three songs, First Love, Obsession, and Embers. And I, I barely made it to the end of my block before tears were streaming down my face and I was having a moment with Jesus because as I listened to the lyrics of these songs, it felt like it was a prophetic cry from the church. This, this moment in time that she had so perfectly articulated through song where the church's heart was being revealed in song. Uh, let, let me give you just a sampling of the lyrics that she wrote in uh, some of these songs. First Love, she says, I'm returning to the secret place. It's just an altar and a flame. Love is found here in our sacred space. I hear your voice, I see your face. I feel my heart beating out of my chest. I wanna stay forever like this. May the flame of my heart always be lit. I wanna burn forever like this. In Obsession, she writes, and my heart burns for you, my heart burns for you, yes, my heart burns for you. In Embers, she says, breathe on the embers of my heart, fan it to flame. Breathe on the embers of my heart, fan it to flame, let it burn. Reignite the fire, reignite the fire of our hearts. Oh God, reignite the fire, reignite the fire of your church, of your bride. Man, as I was listening to those lyrics, I was just, I was just weeping because I said, God, this, this is the cry of your church right now. In a year that has served to try and extinguish all that God was doing in our lives individually and collectively, the cry of a church that has been oppressed is that God would reignite something inside of our hearts, that we would burn again, that our passions would be stirred again, that the flames and the fire of God would be so evident to everybody else around us in this dark world that the church would become once again that city set on a hill, that light in the middle of darkness. This is our cry right now, to burn for God. And listen, I can honestly say I have seen that happen over the last nine weeks. 
I apologize if this makes anybody feel out, left out who's watching online, but I have seen this reality take place over the last nine weeks as we begun to gather again. I remember week one watching people walk up to the, the stairs and people are downcast and they're oppressed and they're not quite sure what to, what to ex expect. But then over the last nine weeks, I've seen the joy return to the church and the hope return to the church and the passion return to the church and the fire of God burn once again inside the gathering who lifts up the name of Jesus together. I've seen it with my own eyes and I do not think that Jesus just reignited something in us so that for a couple of weeks we could experience his goodness once again, only to be extinguished by the very same thing that took us out in the first place. No, we serve a God that takes us from faith to faith and from glory to glory. Come on, he who started a good work in you is gonna be faithful to bring it to completion. I think the church needs to cry out, as Carrie said, that we would forever burn like this, that our fire would not be seasonal in nature, but whether we're on a mountaintop or we're in a valley, whether we're in a storm or it's still, whether we are in the middle of a pandemic or pleasant times, it does not matter. Our fire is sustained because we serve an unchanging God who ignited something on the inside of us. Come on, that God has called us to maintain and burn with. This is who we are as the church. But if we are going to be that people, if we are going to remain ignited, listen, listen, we got to manage this fire. We cannot do the same thing we did last time. We cannot find ourselves burnt out and exhausted on the side of the road. That is not where the church needs to be in this season. We have got to do some things differently this round. And to that, I want, I want to turn to the word. I want, I want to look at this very simple scripture in the book of 1 Thessalonians. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. But this, this admonition from the Apostle Paul to the oppressed first century church. Look at um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. As we go there, I'll give you some context. This is one of Paul's first letters to the church. The Thessalonians were one of the first groups to uh, hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, Paul writes to this church uh, in, for, for two reasons in this book. Number one, he writes a letter to commend them for their faith. Uh, all throughout the, the letter, you'll see him uh, just commending them and congratulating them for walking, walking well and pursuing Jesus passionately in the midst of a very difficult time. At this season, the, uh, the church was experiencing some persecution and people were losing their lives for believing in Jesus and for gathering together. And so Paul says, hey, guys, you've done a great job. Your passion, your fire, it has been maintained well. But then he goes on in the second half of the letter and he begins to encourage them to continue to do good. He says, guys, I get it, you've done well and there's pressures coming your way, but I'm, I'm writing to encourage you, stay strong, brothers and sisters. Do not let the world around you mess you up and all the chaos that you're seeing take you out. Remain steadfast in your faith. And, and then at the conclusion of this letter, which is what we're gonna look at today, Paul begins to wind down in a very long-winded way as most preachers do. And he begins to give some advice to his hearers in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16. He says, I want you to always rejoice, constantly pray, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Pause there for a moment. God, what is your will for my life? That's his will for your life right there. If you wanna know the will of God for your life, it is simply put right there, that you would constantly pray, you'd give thanks in everything, and that you would have the joy of the Lord. Hey, regardless of what's gonna happen for the next two, three, six, 17 weeks, we don't know. Pray always, have some joy in your heart, and remain thankful. 
As Precious said in our first service, we have something to be thankful for because we woke up today and there is breath in our lungs and we can give praise unto our God. There is always something to be thankful for. There is always something to be joyful about and we can remain prayerful regardless of what's happening around us. That is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. But, but then Paul goes on to say, and this is where I wanna camp for the remainder of our time together. He says, and as I conclude, do not quench the Holy Spirit's fire. Come on, can we say that together? Do not quench the Holy Spirit's fire. I believe if the Apostle Paul were alive today and if he were writing to the church in San Francisco, I believe those would be his words to us today. Hey, as you walk into this next chapter, as we begin to face some familiar territory, but something maybe we didn't get a good shot at the first time, do not let the fire of God be quenched in your life. Guard the fire. Ensure that it remains burning. If he admonishes us here to not let it die out, guess what? That means it's possible for the fire of God to die out. That means that whether by negligence or by intention or whatever, we have the ability to quench the fire of God in our life. And so he says, sons, daughters, brothers, sisters, do not let the fire of God go out in your life. That's what we need to be focused on as we enter into this next phase. How do I guard God's fire in my heart? And I wanna give you two ways, two very simple, practical ways. If I could send you out with anything as we go into this next season, I would send you out with these two. Number one, if you're taking notes, keep adding fuel. If you want a fire to burn, you gotta keep adding fuel. Uh, moment of truth. Um, how many of you would say over the last eight months that because of COVID, uh, you've had to find some new Netflix or Hulu sh shows to binge watch a little bit. Anyone? Oh, come on. You can be honest. It's just you and Jesus here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My hand is up. You know, when all of our shows weren't able to uh, film any longer and uh, they ran out of episodes, a lot of us had to go to the search of finding something that could entertain us again. And for the record, I should probably give this disclaimer. I don't like to sit around and watch Netflix all day long. I think it's important that you know that. Okay. Like, I do like study the word of God and, you know, run the church and like, I do, I do responsible things. I'm not a deadbeat sitting around watching TV. I just, it's important to me that you know that. Um, but you know, when the kids go to bed and it's eight o'clock at night and my wife and I have finished all working for the day, we tend to retire to the couch and find some reprieve and entertainment. And so we've, uh, we've had some shows that we watched and like many of you, there were new, no new episodes because they weren't able to film. And so we've had to find a new one. And uh, recently we stumbled on a show that I absolutely love. And some of you might've watched this one before, but it's a show called Alone. Anyone seen this one on Netflix before? Oh, this is great. I'm telling you about a brand new show today. One person has seen this. You need to watch alone. It's a reality show, and it's one of the craziest reality shows I've ever seen. Here's the premise. Uh, there are these 10 contestants that are like survival experts, and they get to choose 10 items to bring with them into the wilderness. And then each of these contestants is dropped off alone in some of the most remote, some of the most aggressive places on earth, pa Patagonia and Mongolia and the Arctic. And they're dropped off by them, so no camera crew. They, have, they literally have their own box with camera equipment and they film themselves just surviving as long as they possibly can. In the first service, I said that they filmed themselves uh, fighting against uh, werewolves, which apparently are not things. Uh, wolverines are things, but werewolves are not a thing, which I learned in the first service. For me, I don't spend a lot of time outdoors. I've made it no secret that I don't camp and the outdoors are not my friends, so werewolves could have been a thing, but apparently they're not. I digress. Anyway, 
they, they, they spend all this time out in the wilderness and they just film themselves surviving. And generally, they, they all bring kind of the same stuff, some paracord and uh, they bring like a tarp for their shelter. But almost every single person brings a flint or a striker to start a fire. Because, as we learn when you watch this show, one of the most important things, if not the most important thing to do, the moment you get dropped off in the middle of nowhere is to start a fire. Fire is literally the difference between life and death for some of these people. If you don't have a fire, you can't cook. If you don't have a fire, you can't get uh, warm at night. Usually they drop them off in these places before the rainy season, before the snowy season. And so their job from the moment they hit the ground is to collect all the firewood, make sure they've got all the fuel they need. And once they start that fire, they cannot let it die out. The difference between their survival or their demise is their ability to keep the fire burning. I would suggest to you today that as you move into a new season, as the winds begin to shift and the rains come and we face this COVID thing once again, your most important job is to keep your fire burning. The very first thing you gotta focus on, the most important survival tactic is simply keep your fire burning. Do whatever you have to do to make sure that the fire of God does not go out in your life. Back to the show. Uh, one of the most intriguing parts of this show, I think, to me, is the personal responsibility of the contestants. Uh, none of these contestants sees a camera crew. They don't see anybody else around them. They are by themselves. And so in order for them to survive, it requires some personal responsibility. Nobody else is going to go out and get the firewood for them. Nobody else is going to wake up in the middle of the night and tend to the dying fire in their shelter. Nobody else is going to make sure that the firewood is kept up off the ground and it doesn't get wet so that it doesn't ignite when they need it later on in the season. They have to take some personal responsibility for their fire. If you're taking notes, write this down. Your fire is your responsibility. Come on, everybody smile at me real quick. Your fire, the fire of God in your life, it is your responsibility. Nobody else is going to go out and grab some firewood for your spirit. Nobody else is going to pray for you like you need to pray for you. Nobody else is going to read the Bible for you. Nobody else is going to reach out to you the way you need to be reached out to. Your fire is your responsibility. If you look back in the, in, in the Bible into the book of Leviticus, which I know we all do very often, um, <laughs> Uh, there's, there's this interesting text in Leviticus chapter six where uh, God begins to speak to the Israelites as they are now freed people from Egypt. And he's giving some instructions to the Levites and the priests about daily life. Uh, and these days, it was the responsibility of the priests to offer up sacrifice for the people every single day so that the people could be made right with God. And so the Lord gives this blueprint for the Israelites to make sure that the people are always right with God and the priests know their job. And here's what he says in Leviticus six, verse 10. It says, in the morning after the priest on duty has put on his official linen clothing and linen undergarments, he must clean out the ashes of the burnt offering and put them beside the altar. Then he must take off these garments, change back into his regular clothes and carry the ashes outside the camp to a place that is ceremonially clean. Meanwhile, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must never go out. Each morning, the priest will add fresh wood to the fire and arrange the burnt offering on it. He will then burn the fat of the peace offerings on it. Remember, the fire must be kept burning on the altar at all times. It must never go out. So in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, it was the responsibility of the priest to ensure that the people's fire was burning. 
It was the priest's job to ensure that there was wood always on the altar and that a sacrifice was being made so that the people could be made right with God. So pretending for a moment that we are in Old Testament biblical times and that I am the priest, I guess I kind of am a priest, um, it would be my job to go out every single day and to collect some wood for the fire to ensure that the fire never went out. I would go out and I would find the wood and I would bring it back to the altar and then as the priest for the people, it would be my job to offer up sacrifices on your behalf so that you could be made right with God. I'd stack up the wood and I'd say, you know, Lord, I, I thank you for your goodness and for your forgiveness. And today I offer up these sacrifices on behalf of your sinful people. Lord, my wife, she is sinful. She treated me horribly this week. And so I offer up these sacrifices for your people. And you know, my kids, they're like hellions and they barely love you. They don't know you. And so I offer up these sacrifices on behalf of the people to you. Oh Lord, oh God, forgive them. That would be my job. Now that worked in the old Testament, but that's not how it works anymore. This all changed with Jesus. Yeah, this altar was supposed to be a picture of what we're talking about. This was analogous of our heart. There is supposed to be a fire always burning, a passion always burning for God in each and every one of us. But while the principle remains the same, we're still supposed to keep our fires burning, the practice has changed. It is no longer the responsibility of the priest It is no longer the responsibility of the pastor or the church to offer up sacrifices for the people. No, your fire is now your responsibility. When Jesus gave his life on the cross and he declared it is finished and the temple veil tore in two, now everybody, not just the priest, has access to the presence of God. And as our access has granted us, we come before him daily. We offer sacrifices of praise from our lips. We thank him for his forgiveness. And I don't need somebody else to pray for me. I don't need somebody else to make me right with God. My confession of faith and my belief in who Jesus is and what he's done makes me right with God according to Romans chapter three. And I can come boldly before the the throne of grace and obtain mercy on my own for my sins. That's what I have access to now. And it's not the pastor's job to keep me right. No, Revelation chapter one says we are all now kings and priests. And so I come and I bring the fire. I bring the wood every single day so that I ensure my fire does not stop burning. I think the greatest misstep of round one of COVID was that there were way too many Christians operating with an Old Testament mentality about fire. Way too many Christians that were waiting for somebody else to tend to their fire. Waiting on the church to tend to their fire. Waiting on the pastor to tend to their fire. Waiting on the small group leader to tend to their fire. Waiting for the worship team to show up at their door and say, I'm here to lead worship for you so that we can enter into the presence of God. But nobody came to the door. The church didn't open. The group stopped meeting. And unfortunately, way too many were left with only the firewood that they had stacked up on their own in their heart. And sadly, far too many believers had an empty altar. Why isn't my fire burning, God? Why have I lost my passion? Because you were only left with the management that you had stirred up on your own before all of this started. There was no wood in the shed. There was no wood on the altar. And so the fire went out. 
But listen, it says in Leviticus chapter six that it was the responsibility of you, O priest, to come every single day and to gather some wood and put it on the altar. So let me ask you, are you prepared to put some wood on the altar over the next couple of weeks? Are you ready to get back in the word of God like you never have before? Are you ready to begin to lift up your voice, not just in this room, but even in your bedroom or in your car and begin to worship Jesus and create a space for his presence to invade? Are you ready to pray and to stack some wood? Are you ready to reach out to some people so that they can know where you're you're at and you don't feel like you're isolated all by yourself and stack up the wood you need to ensure that your fire remains burning because this is your job. It is your job to tend to your fire. Stay. You have got to take responsibility for your own fire. I would love to come to your house every single day and read you a Bible story and pray for you and sing over you, which may not be a blessing. (laughs) But that ain't my job. I'm grateful for an open church. I'm grateful for the gathered believers in this space to lift up the name of Jesus together. But at the end of the day, when you stand before Jesus, even if this is stripped away for a couple of weeks, you won't get to blame the lack of church for your fire. You will give an account to Jesus for how you maintained your own flame. You gotta keep adding fuel. Secondarily, I think we need to also be concerned about the possibility of some things that might try to take our fire out. While yes, we do need to make sure that we keep adding fuel to the fire, there's a second area that I think we got wrong in round one, and that is we need to ensure that we keep some distance from those extinguishants around us that want to try to put out our fire. So point number two for you note takers is this. If we're gonna keep our fires burning, we need to stay away from some wet blankets. I won't spend a lot of time here, but I think we have to talk about it a little bit because we kind of screwed this one up in the first round. We need to make sure we keep our distance from some wet blankets. If you were to Google, go online and Google, how do I extinguish somebody who is on fire, which I did this last week and I hope I don't get flagged for it. Here's what it will read. And I quote, if someone else catches fire, smother the flames by grabbing a wet blanket or rug and you throw it on them. If you're ever wondering how to put somebody uh, uh, who's on fire out around you, there's your answer right there. Hopefully you don't have to Google it first because that might take a little bit of time. (laughs) But smother them with a wet blanket and that will extinguish the flames. Apparently, you can have a really healthy, glowing, burning fire, but in one moment, In the right atmosphere with the right tool, you can throw a wet blanket over the top of that thing and every flame that was currently burning hot is extinguished in an instant. I think that's not just a physical reality. I think that is a spiritual reality. I think that you could be burning bright for Jesus. You could have all the passion you want in your heart. And in one moment around a wet blanket, all that fire can get taken out. And I think many of us have experienced that this year. 2020 has provided a plethora of wet blankets for us, has it not? Things that want to take our fire out. And thus, if we are going to remain burning, if our passion is not gonna be taken out over the next couple of weeks, we need to make sure that we keep our distance from those things that are gonna try to put out our flames. So let me offer you a piece of advice. You need to identify and you need to eliminate all of the wet blankets in your life. Very simple, very practical. Identify and eliminate the wet blankets in your life. 
Now, this isn't just advice from Uncle Tim. This is also advice from Jesus himself. He doesn't use exactly the same phrase because they didn't have wet blankets back then, but he uses some different language. Again, back to the Sermon on the Mount on Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. Here's what he says. He said, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body, your whole life is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. Keep that on the screen for just a moment. He says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light to your body. Again, when Jesus uses this phrase, it's like a lamp. He uses the word in the Greek, phos, that word fire. Your eye, it's like a fire. And when your eye beholds, when your eye sees, when you are focused on those things which bring the fire of God, the goodness of God, the things that recall who God is and what he's like and his character and his nature and his ability, when you see those things, it's like a fire that ignites in your whole body, in your whole life. However, if you are focused on some things that serve to put the fire out, then guess what? Your body's not gonna be filled with light. Your life is not gonna be filled with light. It's going to be filled with darkness. What Jesus is saying here, if you water it all down, here it is. Your fire is contingent on what you are focused on. Your focus has the ability to either stir up or take out the ferocity of your fire. If your fire is lame, your focus is to blame. Ooh, that rhymes. Come on, somebody. You're like a rapper. If you are, if you're feeling like the fire of God is being put out in your life, you have to take responsibility for it. And you need to realize it's the byproduct of what I'm focusing on. It's the byproduct of what I'm seeing. And I need to get away from those things that are trying to take out my fire. So, so, so let's make this super duper practical. Let's not over-spiritualize something that is supposed to be very simple, okay? How are we going to get rid of the wet blankets? What do we need to eradicate in our lives so that we can guard our flame? Let's, let's, let's just talk about a couple of practical areas. If you are the kind of person who likes to compulsively watch the news and you have alerts showing up on your phone every single moment of every single day, and 30 minutes doesn't go by before you start scrolling Instagram or Twitter and you're constantly looking at the news apps and the news is on at your house 24 seven, then guess what? You probably need to get away from that wet blanket. Delete the app, unplug the TV, turn off the alerts, stop getting the newspaper delivered to your house if that's still a thing, I have no idea. But let's find a way to make sure that we don't hear the constant accosting of the news that is headlining us with fear and taking out the fire of God in our life. I'm not saying be an ostrich and dig your head in the sand and ignore what's happening. That's not godly, that's not biblical. We should have a, a bit of education about what we're seeing. But if you know that your heart is being affected and your emotions are being affected by what you're reading every single day, then stop reading it because the fire of God depends on it in your life. You need to get rid of that wet blanket. Simple. How about some people that are some wet blankets in your life? How about some friends that are negative Nancys, the, the, the anxious Annies, the Debbie Downers, the worrying wet blanket Wandas, the freak out Franks. Sorry if that's anybody's name in the room. If you got some of those people in your life, guess what? You need to keep your distance from those people. You need to make sure that you isolate. Blame it on the government. You know, the government said I'm supposed to keep social distance right now. They said six feet. I'm actually need six weeks, okay? I'm gonna need to keep my distance from you for a little bit of time because you don't help my faith. You don't help my fire. You just put me out. 
Stop following them on social media. Stop engaging back and forth on there. Find a way to eliminate the wet blankets. And while you are freeing up your schedule because you're not hanging out with idiots any longer, why don't you hang out with some people that are filled with faith, that know the word of God, that are like iron sharpening iron, and they say, hey, come on, we're gonna make it through this. Our God is still great. Our God is still able. Hang around some people of faith that are gonna adjust your focus because what you focus on affects the ferocity of your fire. And if you focus on the right stuff, it's like a lamp that's being lit up in your life and your whole life is filled with light. Stay away from those wet blankets. Keep your distance. Because listen, as I said at the beginning, God did not start something in all of us nine weeks ago, only to see it taken out again nine weeks later by the same enemy. No, God did something and it's undeniable. The fire is burning again. Our passion is returning again. We have to be vicious about ensuring that it does not get taken out. Keep your fire burning. Keep fuel on the altar. Stay away from the stuff that's gonna take it out. And I think if we do these very simple things, we're not just gonna survive round two. I really do trust that the church of Jesus Christ is going to thrive through this next round. We're gonna be that city on a hill. We're gonna be the light in the middle of darkness. Come on, our world is getting darker and darker. We need a burning, bright church in this season that is pointing to the goodness of Jesus and saying, look, this is what you need in the middle of the chaos that we're facing. We need our fires to burn. And in so doing, if we do these things, I think that we will take the advice of this title, and that is that we will fight fire with fire. Allow me to explain as the band comes to conclude. Yet usually when you hear that phrase, fight fire with fire, um, it, is, it is used as a retaliatory phrase. Uh, if you know, you've, you've got an enemy or you know, a girlfriend or a boyfriend or someone that's left to you, you, know, you can retaliate by fighting fire with fire. You, know, you do the little clap back on social media or you egg the house or, you know, well, don't do those things. I'm not suggesting for the record, but you know, that's usually what we mean when we say fight fire with fire. I think there's a better application of that term today. Uh, fighting fire with fire is actually a firefighting term. Um, if uh, you are a firefighter and you see that there are some threatening flames coming near a city or coming near a structure or coming near a place that, that, that could be devastating, then sometimes the prescriptive method to ensure that that fire does not take out what you're trying to protect is not just more water or more retardant, it is actually more fire. Uh, usually what a firefighter will do when they see this flame coming is they will identify a boundary line around whatever it is that they're trying to protect and before the threatening fire makes its way towards that boundary line, they will ignite a series of controlled burns to eat up the vegetation and the combustible material within that boundary line so that when the threatening fire makes its way towards the structure, it doesn't have anything to burn because there has already been a fire present in that facility. Something has already been burning and so it doesn't have anything to ignite it. Come on, you see what I'm going with right here, yeah. Come on, let me become a cheesy preacher for just a moment. If we're gonna beat this thing, if we're gonna actually make it on the other side of this with our fire protected, we need to fight fire with fire this time. 
We need to fight the fiery arrows of the enemy of depression and anxiety and isolation and unemployment and all the stuff that we're gonna face. We need to fight with the fire of God. May the devil find that there has already been some ground that has been ignited in every single heart so that when he comes and tries to ignite something in fear or anxiety, we can stand up and say, I'm sorry, there's already been a fire present in this life. There's already been a fire present in this heart and you have nothing to burn because I'm already burning. We need to fight fire with fire. I want to pray that over you today. Listen, if I could send you out with anything today, I would pray that you would be ablaze, that you would be reignited today as we leave this place. And that when we come back, however many weeks that would be, we wouldn't walk in like this, needing someone to fan into flame again. That we would have a church that is already burning bright because we've been out there fanning our flames on our own for the entire time we weren't in this space. Close your eyes and bow your heads. Let me pray this over you. Jesus, I pray over your church. I thank you, Father, for igniting a flame in us. I thank you for stirring our passion. I thank you that today, as we are gathered in this space or gathered online, that God, we are not lacking your fire in this moment. But Lord, we know the attack that's to come. We know that as we leave this space and things begin to shut down again. We know the enemy's tactic. We know that through isolation, he's gonna try to extinguish the flame of God in our hearts. So God, we prepare this time. We're gonna manage our fires well. We're gonna maintain our fires well. Father, I pray for every believer that is listening to this in this room, watching online right now. I pray for the wind of God to blow over their heart. If there's some smoldering embers, God, may they ignite right now in the name of Jesus for every flame, every bit of passion. God, we add another log. We add a, a, another, an, another bit of combustible material in the spirit to their hearts today so that they can burn through this next season. May the wind, may the waves, may the change of season not take us out, but God, may our fires sustain. And even as I'm praying this with every head bowed and eye closed, maybe there is someone here today or someone watching online that would say, you know, I." I heard what you said at the beginning about what God does at the beginning of salvation, how he lights something up in our hearts. And I don't know that I've had that moment or I haven't felt that in a long time. I've been at a distance from Jesus and I need to get some things right with him before I get out of this place. I need to commit my life to Jesus so that I can start this flame out. If that's you here today, I wanna pray with you before we conclude. But before I pray with you, I just like to know who I'm praying with. And no one's looking around. I don't wanna embarrass you, but just for my own sake and for, for Jesus, can you, can you quickly look up at me and lift your hand if you'd say, I need to get some stuff right with Jesus before I get out of this place today, if that's you. Thank you, got you. Anybody else in the room? Yeah, I got you in the back, thank you. Hallelujah. If you're watching online and you would say that's me, you can click the little button that's popping up right now that says raise your hand as well. And I'm gonna pray with you guys. If you lifted your hand or even if you didn't, and you need to make this commitment. I'm gonna pray a very simple prayer. You can just repeat this after me in your heart. Say, Jesus, today I give you my life. Thank you for giving yours for mine. Lord, I pray that you would ignite something in me right now. Set me on fire for you. Forgive me of my past. Forgive me of my sin. Set my feet on a rock so this storm will not take me out. And from this day forward, I make a commitment to walk in your ways. Help me to be your disciple to follow you all the days of my life until we meet in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, can we just thank God for every single one of those making that decision today?
I wanna pray one more thing over you in just a moment before we conclude. But for those who just prayed, I wanna, I wanna help you take your next steps. We're so passionate about that here at the Father's House, especially as we move into this next season. We really wanna help you get started strong on this journey. Uh, everybody in the room, go ahead and take out your phones real quick. And uh, for those that did not pray that prayer, you can text somebody that wasn't here today, say you miss seeing their face and uh, tell them that you'd love to catch up with them soon. For the rest of you, if you did pray that simple prayer, I want you to text TFHSF to 97000. As you text that, you're gonna get a response back from us. It's a little card to fill out digitally. You can give us a little bit of information about yourself, but please, before you leave today, if you made that decision, I want you to make your way out to our Connect table that already have your information because you'll have entered it right there online. We wanna put a Bible in your hands. We wanna tell you about something called First 40 around here. It's the first 40 days of your journey where we teach you how to read the Bible, how to pray, how to get water baptized, all the stuff that is so, so, so important to start this journey out well. But we really just wanna help you do that. Um, for the rest of us, do me a favor. Would you stand to your feet real quick? And uh, as we conclude, before I have our prayer team come forward, um, I wanna pray something very simple over you. We lift your hands towards heaven as we conclude. If I could pray this over you before we, we get back into what we're facing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we want to pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.